Welcome to the People Teaching People podcast. My name is Tiana Fesh. I'm a mom of three, an educator, a course development consultant, and a lifelong learner. Teaching and learning can take place anytime, anywhere, and in a multitude of ways. The range of knowledge and skills to teach and to learn about are truly limitless. But at the heart of all teaching and learning experiences are the people. The People Teaching People podcast is the place to talk about the who, what, when, where, why, and how of teaching and learning in a world where there is always more to discover. Education plays an important and integral role in all facets of our lives. How we work, do business, live, play, explore, and build relationships. Let's talk teaching and learning together. Welcome to the People Teaching People podcast. Joining me on the podcast is Katie Dunsworth-Riak. Katie is the founder of one of Canada's largest independent communication agencies, Talk Shop. A journalist by trade, Katie began her career in PR and went on to co-found the money mentoring business Smart Cookies and was featured on Oprah. That same year, she also opened the agency that is now Talk Shop. In anticipation of the impending economic crisis, she was among the first to focus on making financial information engaging and relevant to a female audience. Katie went on to co-host her own W Network series and has co-authored the financial bestseller, Smart Cookies Guide to Making More Dough. Named among the youngest women to rank on the top 40 under 40, Katie also founded STEM Spotlight Awards, a student awards program recognizing skilled sector apprenticeships in the STEM sectors, which is science, technology, engineering, and math. She owns a number of other creative and professional service businesses, including IF Communications. She is also a dedicated volunteer for Connect Place, Habitat for Humanity Greater Vancouver, and sits on the Forum for Women Entrepreneurs. Katie was so much fun to talk to. She is passionate, curious, and as she says, she does things her own way which has led to some pretty amazing experiences, opportunities, and success. And although we don't chat about it directly in the episode, Katie and I have a connection in that our parents are university friends and have maintained a special friendship since then. And truthfully, her mom and dad have played a pretty special role in my life as well over the years. Thank you so much for joining me today, Katie. Thanks for having me. So where I would like to start with our conversation today is just to learn more about you and your story and what led you to start Talk Shop and what does Talk Shop and your role look like there today? Awesome. Yeah. Um, it was, I was talking to a, like a young person who was applying yesterday actually and, and giving this like rundown. I was like, it was sort of by accident. Um, in the 2008 recession, I had sort of this, like these coinciding opportunities. I had, um, started a money club that was the smart cookies. We ended up getting on Oprah and following that had a lot of like really crazy opportunities come our way, 
a book with Random House and a television pilot. And so um, I wasn't totally ready to make the leap out of my like corporate job, but felt like I needed to to pursue these opportunities. And then as fate would have it, the 2008 recession hit and I ended up getting laid off anyways. <laughs> so I was like, well, uh, let's go for it. But I, I had a lot of folks um, reach out that I had worked with um, in the PR, PR world who wanted me to consult. And so I was like, well, I can do that and do the smart cookies thing. And so I just started as a consultant and then um, met my business partners um, early days. And then, uh, yeah, it's just been like, 10 plus years of slow and steady wins the race. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's just that way, isn't it? But it's so interesting how one opportunity can lead to another or a situation that we end up coming up against mm -hmm. um, ends up creating some really incredible opportunities as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this podcast is all about teaching and learning and the fact that it can really happen anywhere um, at any time. So how would teaching and learning be a part of building a business and the growth yeah. that you've had with Talkshop? Yeah, we've put a lot of energy, especially in the last few years, into learning development and upskilling our team. I think um, – you know, this is sort of where, again, the, the smart cookies and financial stuff intersects. I think it's really important for women in particular to have like a strong foundation in financial literacy. And that is not something that um, I think a ton of organizations put an emphasis on. And, and I think they, they could and we do. Um, so we do a lot of L&D around um, training our team. And I think there's skills that are like transferable. So like you would use them at work, but they really do transfer to your life. So just around um, being able to really understand like profit and loss, <laughs> cost in, cost out, how to read an income statement. Um, ultimately, we try to keep like our business key performance indicators really straightforward. Like we are looking, it's a dumb term called EBITDA, which just means profit basically. So we look at that. Uh, we look at like a revenue per employee um, number and, and we just really try and be transparent with our team and allow them um, as much, uh, I would say, just sort of like free space to be able to ask questions. I think that's one of the most intimidating things. And I don't want to just generalize for women, but it was my experience is like not feeling like feeling like you have a dumb question, but like, I should know what a mutual fund is, or I should know what EBITDA means and I don't want to ask. And so we really try to create um, learning modules that teach it opportunities to, to um, yeah, feel safe to be able to ask those questions. And then lots of opportunities to um, like get mentored and, and, and build those skills. I also, um, this probably really applies for, for teachers because I know this is impacting edu education right now, but like artificial intelligence will have a huge impact in a ton of industries, ours included. And so we have to be at the forefront of adopting technology all the time and making sure that that like through our whole organization um, gets rolled out. So we're, yeah, we, we invest there too. So looking ahead <laughs> and seeing what's out there. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's so interesting when you're saying, you know, that hesitancy to put up your hand and ask the question, essentially, like, I don't understand what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, in working with so many industries and with just different companies that I've worked with, I find 
there's different languages out there everywhere. And I just started a new position working at a post-secondary institution here in Calgary. And the number of acronyms that they have is just mind-blowing. I'm constantly just having to say, okay, so what does that stand for now? So it's great that you foster an environment where people can feel comfortable and Mm. safe to ask those questions and Mm. learn because ultimately it's going to make them Mm -hmm. Uh, better members of your team. Yeah. And being able to, I mean, I was in a meeting, I mean, we try, I think finances are are probably one of those subjects. It's like diet and exercise was like the thing nobody really wants to do, but should probably do. And um, I was in a meeting where I just like tuned out and was like, I don't, I've retained 10% of what we talked about here. So like if I, and it's my business, like if I didn't even understand half the shit that they were saying, like probably nobody around me did. And just being able to be like, Hey, <laughs> can we make this more palatable or like news you can use? Like, just like, so, so what does that mean? Level, level with us. So yeah, we definitely try to try to make that possible. Well, and it's interesting too how you brought up just looking ahead. So things like AI and really having to be forward thinking when it comes Mm -hmm. to your business, things are changing so quickly. Mm -hmm. I even look to our 11-year-old. He's very much into STEM and Mm -hmm. the things that he knows and does, half of it I don't understand, which sort of scares me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah my husband was laughing because my daughter, he was talking about like a movie and she she referenced some term. And she's like, is it so old that it was like GP2 or something? Or it wasn't even, I don't, I'm not even getting the acronym right. And he's like, what is that? And it was like a pixel term. Okay. We were both like, I don't know what that means. It's exactly that. Yeah. He says things I don't quite understand. Yeah, <laughs> just things are moving and changing so quickly and we don't need to know it all, but Yeah, I find especially, I don't know, I just find my kids pick up on those things so much more quickly than I do. And yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it is. It's it's it's, good to keep learning. That's for mm -hmm, sure. mm -hmm. Now, um, you shared with me, and I love um, how this is worded, that Talkshop is a communications agency redefining content to help organizations get known and be understood. (laughs) And I just think that's so important to me that really speaks to the relationship-centered approach that your business takes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you also shared with me your brand values. And I was wondering if you could speak to those a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, we used to have, goodness, we used to have seven. (laughs) And we really found, um, we did this exercise years ago and it was so helpful and it, you will catch people like one of our values used, used to be, I mean, it still is, but it's sort of integrated into some of them. Um, uh, so it's like seek solutions or solution seeking, which is like, there's nothing I can stand less in this world than someone who just like points out all the problems, uh, without any ideas on what to do or how to work around them. And so that is a huge part of our culture is like solution seeking. So, um, yeah, we have, we, we streamlined them down to four. I'll see if I can remember them all. <laughs> no, again, um, get it really speaks to, and it's interesting, like in this last little bit, um, there's been a real, um, sensitivity around hustle culture. I think what we've seen through the pandemic is that people, yeah, like mental health in particular was, was, certainly with our team, like top of mind and that feeling of get it wasn't meant to be like, get after it. I mean, I like the double entendre, but it was meant to be like, get 
concepts quickly. We're in the business of, we work with a lot of technology companies. Um, so understanding complicated concepts and being able to sort of distill them down and communicate with clarity. Um, so that's get it. Uh, we have always kind of come from a business minded place. So that is a big part of it. Like we, um, if we don't understand the, the sort of like bottom line impact we're making to our clients, we're not the right consultants. Like we, we really have to understand how we're moving the needle for their business. So we really focus on business minded. Uh, seeking equity is another component where we just, you know, it, it is so important in this world to just, con- again, on the learning, like continue to learn champion um when we see disparity like do something about it and um and it's you know a spectrum where we're at the very beginning of it in terms of what we need to know and how we need to employ that both in our world and our community and our business but um it's a big part of what we're trying to do and then the final one is care wildly and this was a value that we just kind of like re um we we actually went out to our team because we were like we're we're kind of distilling these down to just four and like we want to hear from from you and that was the one that i i actually found the most touching in all the feedback it was like this is a company i know that cares and that um even if i don't agree with something like i actually know that they're really trying and they're trying to do the right thing and i appreciate that so um yeah care wildly is our other value i love those values so much Mm. And I can see how seven would be overwhelming, but I think yeah. that you've done a beautiful job. <laughs> we just kept job. adding and adding, yeah. and we're like, we gotta <laughs> we value <keep> everything, <laughs> all the things. Yeah, no, yeah. I really, I really like those. And thank you to speaking to each of those. <laughs> I think it really highlights um, the important pieces to your business and what you're all about. <laughs> now, for businesses of all sizes, a successful PR strategy is so important, and as a small business owner, just with all the things that are being Mm. juggled, that can be one area of many that can become a little bit overwhelming. Mm. So what can encompass or potentially encompass a PR strategy? And what might be a couple tips that you have for small business owners looking to try and implement something into their own business? Yeah. And I even think the term PR isn't super clear. Like it, it historically has meant um, like earned media getting in the media, media coverage. But with the rise of digital media, I mean, we are consuming like news in so many different places. So it really encompasses social media and um, like really all the platforms where we would consume content. And so, you know, I think my, my first tip would be um, to get really clear on like what your own, whether you're, yeah, if you're a small business, um, what, you know, what your brand position is, like what makes you unique. Um, we talk about like brand pillars or content pillars, which are like within, so within talk shop, like I obviously talk about what we do. So that's communications, PR marketing. Um, but I have like a, like one of my personal pillars would be, would be financial literacy, um, and, and working with small businesses. And so, um, I spend a lot of time, creating content around that. Um, so specifically, like, I, I also think one of the things that, that w- to not overwhelm yourself is just like pick a channel that you're really going to nail. So, um, I think for professionals, especially if you're in like a B2B business, business market, I would, I would be on LinkedIn and I would really look for ways to, um, w- this sort of falls under a thing we call thought leadership, but it's like, Think about a topic that's important to your clients, important to you, and just like 
write about it. Um, and that, that like, and, and that being consistent, that sort of idea of like reps in, you're not just going to do it once and it's going to like be amazing. It's going to be like, you have to do like blogging or podcasting. It's like, you have to do it every week. You'll gain followers. Um, you're going to eventually be somebody that, that, you know, people seek for opinion if you're, if you're really consistent with it, but, um, it's energy in. And so I think a lot of times why we get hired is because businesses know, like, I just don't have the time to write this or do that. Or who, like I, who's going to do this? So can't be me. Um, so yeah, that's a lot, a lot of the time that's what we end up doing for, for our clients. Yeah, it is. It does require a lot of time. Mm -hmm. Um, but I like how you're saying, you know, be selective, really choose and invest and use it in in an effective way. Mm -hmm. It's so funny. My dad um, worked in public relations. That's right. And when I was growing up, um, I thought it just meant he talked on the phone and drank coffee and chatted with people. (laughs) That's what my kids think. My kids are like, you just go to meetings. (laughs) You just go to meetings and talk to people. Yeah. And I mean, public relations has changed so much since. Yeah. my dad was in the business and I was a, a child. There wasn't all the social media pieces that went with it. So it certainly yeah. evolved um, yeah. over time. But at the end of the day, I, I still think it's so much about like building those connections and building mm-hmm. those relationships, be it mm-hmm. digitally yeah. or yeah. over a cup of coffee. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, I want to ask you a little bit more about your experience with Oprah. So, and when I was reminding myself about this experience that you had, um, it's so funny. It reminds me actually of my grandma because she was obsessed with Oprah and uh, we would chat about Oprah. And I know that um, when you were on Oprah, it was, you know, something that we could talk about and be excited about because we Mm. had a little bit of a connection there. Um, so you and four friends formed a money group and it changed your lives in lots of ways. Mm -hmm. And you called yourself the smart cookies. You ended Mm -hmm. up being on Oprah. So what was that journey like? And what was that experience like for you? Yeah. Well, I was 24. Um, and it was such a whirlwind because we had just sort of formed that like a, like you would form a book club, except instead of reading books, we were just like, we should really try to get it a debt. <laughs> um, yeah. Lots of us had like student loans or, um, you know, just like not healthy spending habits. And I think again, on the financial literacy side, just lacked the basic, like, you know, dollars in dollars out trying to, to yeah, trying to, trying to keep it a debt. Um, we really use that as a platform to, um, educate each other in like language and ways and based on our, our own experiences that, that worked for us. And so, yeah, being in PR, I had written to, to the show just to say like, Oh, you guys did a segment where you, they had all these money experts on and we followed some of that. And some of it was really not for us. Like, to be honest, it, um, was very prescriptive around like, percentages and depending on where you live, like Vancouver, I live in Vancouver and it's very like your cost of living is higher. So anyways, so it's just some of the math didn't work. And so we had to do other things. And a lot of the things we did were around, um, like finding ways to, to make more. Like I always say, um, I have expensive taste. (laughs) So I like, I, I have to, I just like have to earn more because I don't really want to compromise on some of that stuff. Um, so yeah. So anyway, so we, we were sort of self-taught 
had written into the show, um, very quickly like heard back from the production people just who like the process, I don't know how much do you want to, I can go on, I can do the short version or the longer version. Whatever version you would like to okay, share. Okay. <laughs> the long version is like, they really screen you at three levels. So the first level, and I think this is following the million little pieces, um, guy, I think James, who he had like lied about stuff. So first they just like have to fact check that like, this is actually all accurate and that you are like somebody who could be on television. And I, I think that was more like energy and your story. And so anyway, so you kind of go through this level of like, you're not going to be on the show. They were actually almost rude. Like they were just like, you're not gonna be on the show. We're just like checking on this story. And so, um, I just remember being like, be charming, like just make, make them like you. And so then that got us to the next producer and that producer was like, okay, like I want to get more information. And then we got to like our producer and she was the whole time they were like, you're not going to be on the show, but we might send like a camera out and um, like capture a little vignette of you guys. And so they did that and they sent somebody to Vancouver and they sent this producer. And then really quickly, like if the show was taping on a Thursday on the Monday, they were like, okay, we're going to send you guys like plane tickets. You can fly out to see the show, but you're not going to be on the show. Like you'll just get to go and watch it. And we were like, amazing. Like, uh, like it was her last season. So it was so exciting. And so um, they flew us to Chicago and then like a car picked us up and then they like took us to makeup and hair, <laughs> which like at that point we should have been like, what? And the producer that we had worked with was there and she was like, you know, there's a very small chance that from the audience, she might, Oprah might ask you a question. So like, let's just practice what you would say. Um, anyway, so we were like, oh, okay. And it was all really fast. And so anyways, so we go to the audience and, and Oprah tapes her show or taped her show like live. She didn't, she like, she read a prompter, but she didn't like there was anyway, so it was done in an hour. So we're in the audience and they do sort of like two segments and then they're like setting up the stools and they're like, okay, smart cookies on the stage. And we're like, what? So you don't have time to process that you're like going to be like, I never thought I was gonna be on the show. I thought maybe oh, I thought I knew our like video would be on the show anyway. So then we went up and she's just like the loveliest, like so amazing. And, um, yeah. And it was all just sort of a blur and, and I told our story and then, um, I think that the cool thing with the show too at that time is they really understood like what it meant to people. So from the audience perspective, even like she would stay around afterwards and take pictures with everyone. And like, she's just such a gracious person. And one of the other families that was, so there was like experts on our show and then there were people who had actually saved money or, or in the one case, like hadn't saved money. <laughs> and it was kind of like a, it was a sad segment where they were like given an expert and they lost all this money and they kind of lied. And it was like pretty sad. And as the woman, they were capturing footage or something. And as the woman was leaving her house, she like fell on her face. And so they had that footage and they used it in their little vi vignette. And you could just see this woman like so embarrassed and, Oprah like just caught that body language and was like, go back, like take out the, take that out. That's like, we're not in the business of making people, embarrassing people. So she just like, was like, I'm sorry, we'll have that removed. <laughs> but I was like the, yeah, anyways, just, I think the world of her, she was awesome. That's amazing. And the mm -hmm. fact that she would pick up on that and mm -hmm. then make that change. And it's yeah. not just about what's going to, 
get a reaction. It's really about how people are feeling and really yeah. making people feel seen and heard yeah, um, in her space. Yeah. That's so cool. What a yeah. neat experience. Yeah. And mm. I love that um, they kind of kept you in the dark until. Yeah. I think that's how they do it. With it. I, I mean, I don't know, but I'm like, yeah. I guess you would just like spiral if you knew. So the whole time we were just excited because we got to go see the show and then we're like, Absolutely. oh, we're on the show. Now, you just sort of mentioned too that this kind of helped to open some doors and to some other mm-hmm. opportunities. So a TV yeah. show and yeah. two best-selling books. So what did you learn in having those opportunities to teach people about money and finances? Oh, yeah. Um, I think I learned that, you know, it's really about creating a community more than anything else. Like I, there's nothing I hate more in this world than like someone just like talking at me. Um, So you want to be having a conversation with people and I think try to meet them where they're at. And so in a lot of cases, you know, we would be able to engage people because we were relatable and we were like, look, I I was like lying to my husband about spending money and like, you know what I mean? Like really being, being pretty honest. And, um, and then I think, we also tried to find ways, and this is especially when we would do like live speaking things or um, yeah, just anything with our community is like they have awesome tips on how they're saving money or how they're doing things. And so I, I probably learned just as much from that community as I did like give to that community. So um, yeah, I learned a ton. That's amazing. There is so much teaching and learning, sort of that mutual reciprocal relationship mm-hmm. that happens. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. great that you're open to it. And I think as well, just having that realness and that relatability is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the teachers that I've not related to are the ones that kind of come across as the knower of all things. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they are right and... Um, they are not open to other suggestions or other ideas. And the ones that are really, really have that sense of I'm open to learning and growing yeah. and, and they're sort of learning alongside you are, yeah. are the best kinds of teachers. Yeah. One of the women in that group actually now has a platform where she really focuses on like the importance of just listening, like shutting up, taking in information from other people and like being open to yeah, what you can learn and take from anybody. And I, that is like a lifelong learning for me because I love to talk, but <laughs> listening is really important too. Yeah. Both things are very important. A little mm-hmm. bit of talking, a little bit of listening, mm-hmm. doing it all. Mm-hmm. So what would be some of your top tools and strategies that have kind of come up repeatedly for people when it comes to being more money smart? Yeah. I think like one of the, the, um, Again, I just think like, just don't overwhelm yourself. It's like one step at a time sort of that snowball effect of like, just get momentum and then you can do all the things, but not all at once. Um, so I think we would always get asked like, uh, you know, people who have debt and they're like, what should I be investing in? And, 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 and you're like, don't, like the best investment you can make is just like get out of debt as quickly as you can. So really, you know, work on a plan. I, to this day, like have money taken out as soon as my income comes in, it just like takes a big chunk out that goes into like another account that gets invested. Um, and it can just be like right now, even just like in a high interest GIC or as long as your money is making money, I think, um, you're in a good spot. Uh, so that's, you know, that's kind of an obvious one. Um, 
I think that I am always my, my my husband calls me like money magnet because I'm always in the mindset of like how can I like something in something out. Um, so you know if I um, buy something, I try to sell something. Um, I'm really trying right now to not buy anything new. So I like the idea of um, like upcycling or just things that are like yeah, just like already out there and um and i have more than enough so i don't you know i just i I think checking your own consumption is is probably pretty important we went from um we just finished uh building a home but we went from like our old place to like a tiny little apartment to now back to more space and you know, living in 750 square feet, I had like everything I needed and it was such an eye opener and like, we just live in, yeah, a world filled with like a need to consume. And I really have to, and it's crazy. Cause like, I think being on social media actually puts you in a mindset of like this morning I got something and I was like, Oh, do I need a laser hair removal thing? And I'm like, no, <laughs> get out of here. So I, I do think that just like checking your own consumption habits. And my friend told me this, but just this mantra of like, I have everything I need. Like, and I do, and we, we mostly do. So, um, yeah. So consume less. <laughs> That's great advice and very environmentally friendly as well. <laughs> yeah. There's so much, um, you're right like on social media, we see like the latest, the greatest and oh, that's so mm-hmm. cute. Or maybe mm-hmm. I, like you said, maybe I do need that. And so yeah. um, being more mindful about that, I think is great advice. So thank you for sharing all your tips. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask you, <clears throat> pardon me. Um, I wanted to ask you too about being a leader. And this is a question I like to ask people sometimes because there's so many different ways to be a leader, Mm -hmm. just as there's so many ways to be a teacher, run a business, all the things. But with leadership, uh, what does leadership mean to you and what does a leader, being a leader mean to you? Mm. Um, I think leadership to me probably means authenticity, like somebody who's really um, able to keep it real in terms of like what needs to happen. Uh, they're willing again to like listen and engage their team, but also, uh, willing to do the hard work. And I think that that's something that I have observed a bit with like newer generations is this expectation that like someone important will mentor me and then I will be uh, in a senior leadership position because I've put in three years and you're like, it's not, no, not at all how it works. Um, and also, you know, when times are tough, like you are, especially in like leading a business and, and owning your own business is like the buck stops with you. So you're it. Like I have not taken a vacation where I haven't been connected to work in some way since I was 25. Like, it, you know, so that I'm not saying that that's what leadership is, but I think that there's a responsibility that comes along with it that, um, is important. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I hope that you're able to take a break. (laughs) Oh, don't feel bad for me. I mean, I'm just like checking, you know, and I think it's my own, like I love my, I have multiple businesses, but I love my businesses. And so, um, yeah, I I take lots of time off. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) But I stay connected. (laughs) Okay. I'm glad. And you know what? What is the saying? Um, uh, love what you do and never work a day in your life. Like I just, I, I do love what I do. And that is amazing. And you've created um, this incredible opportunity 
to be able to do something that you love every day, which is amazing. Yeah. 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 Now, speaking of leaders, um, you've got a couple little leaders in your home. Mm-hmm. You've got a daughter and a son. I and yeah. I always find in many ways, my kids are my best teachers. Every mm-hmm. day is different. Mm-hmm. I never know what to expect. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I really can't think of a day where I haven't learned something from them. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. I think, wow, I don't know if I needed to learn that yeah. or... <laughs> But there's always something. So what is what is something or a couple of things that you've learned from your kids as you've been juggling entrepreneurship and being a mom? Oh, gosh. Um, I think both my kids are so different. So my daughter is uh, really impressive and is like it truly is. A, I mean, they're both little leaders, I guess, in their own way, but really is um, – you know, she just, she is so independent and, um, she also just has like the, the best sense of humor as well. Um, just like a dry, like witty sense of humor. So I think what I've, um, learned the most from her is just, she, she has inherited my husband's like ability. He's very calm. Um, so she can really take on stressful situations and, and like, keep it together and, and keep like a very level head about things. Um, but also takes the feedback, like as willing to be like, I messed up. Sorry. Like she's the, she's one of those kids who's like not afraid to own when she's made a mistake, apologize for it. Um, so I, I, I have really appreciated that about her. And I think, you know, I think w- both my kids share, and I do not. I, I'm sure they got this from us, but I do not know what we intentionally did to, to teach it to them. But they're they're like wildly confident for you know, they're plenty good at things, but like also pretty average. Um, and they're incredibly confident in in just like how they move through the world. So that energy, you just see people like flock to them because they're kind and they they're secure in their own skin and yeah no matter where they go they just they enjoy what they're doing or they try to and so I think that that um is also a good reminder of just like the energy you are putting out is like more important than 90% of like what you're saying or what you're doing or it's just like you're making people feel feel a certain way and then I guess my son sorry just quickly my son um is is like quite emotional. And Mm -hmm. I would say like my daughter isn't, and I'm, I'm not necessarily. And so I've really had to adapt, um, how I deliver information or how, just how I am as a parent and a person, um, for him. And, and that's like opened my eyes to like probably needing to do that more with lots of people around me. So, um, yeah, but also he has a great sense of humor and, it has like an infectious little personality. Aww. Well, and I was just going to say they sound like lovely humans. Yeah, they are. They are. Yeah, nice they're, they're my faves. Awesome yeah, good people. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it is so funny when we look at our kids and we just think, huh, like where do some of those sort of attributes you know, or, or traits yeah. come from? And then some yeah. of them make so- sense and some of them, yeah, it's so interesting. Yeah. They're their own little people in yeah. So many ways. So many yeah. ways. Yeah. We have three boys and they are very different from one another. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. shocking. Yes. Yeah. Similar in some ways, but quite different for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You really have to shift gears with them. It's, it's, uh, you're always learning. 
<laughs> always, always learning. Absolutely. And speaking of learning, I was curious as to who a favorite teacher of yours um, oh. was, or perhaps mm. a favorite learning experience that you've had. So either teacher or learning experience and why that person or experience stands out for you. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, uh, it's interesting. Like I, there are definitely teachers in elementary school. Actually, there's so there's like there's two. <clears throat> there's um, he was like our grade seven teacher, and he was incredibly strict. Like I think in our school, they kind of like handpicked the kids who could like handle him because he was, um, he was just kind of mean. Uh, but then he was also he also gave for a group of grade sevens, like a ton of autonomy. And he was sort of like, I'm going to, I'm going to give you responsibility and autonomy. And as long as you don't screw it up, like you, you will keep getting, and that really like worked for me. And I found him like very, I learned so much. I think I developed so many skills. His name is Mr. Chin. Um, I developed, he would like literally not be allowed to teach today though. Like, cause there was a lot of like shame based, like if you crossed him, he would, he would like, shame shame you in a way that you could only make a seventh grader feel embarrassed and ashamed. So like that's, that probably wasn't a great look, but, um, I responded to, to his approach because I really wanted independence and I appreciated that. I saw that there was consequences if you didn't deliver, but I also saw that, um, if you took the opportunities that were given to you, it was met with like more of what you're after. Um, and then I had a teacher in high school named Mr. Duffy who taught history. And I think he really opened my, A, like talk about somebody who like loved the subject matter. Like he just loved to teach it. And I, that, that like energy is infectious and then you enjoy it because the person enjoys it so much and is creative and interesting in how they're delivering the information. Um, but he was also the first one. I just like, didn't occur to me as a high school student that, um, he was like, we are teaching history with bias, like with this is the perspective of Canadians and this is not necessarily what happened. <laughs> I was like, what? Um, and I mean, you look at like our indigenous community and like basically stuff that was never spoken about um, that now obviously is, is, but um, yeah, it was very, very eye opening to the fact that like, oh, we might only be getting a slice of the information and that, yeah, that just, that was like, that opened my eyes a bit. They both sound pretty incredible and like, and that they both had quite an interesting impact on you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they really do. It, it's so funny. Um, I have a favorite teacher who taught me grade two and mm. I just, I feel like I need to find a way to let her know that. I don't oh, know if I've ever told her that. Have you yeah. told your teachers how impactful they were to you? Yes, not really. No, and Mr. Chan, I wonder if he's even, I hope he's still alive. Yeah, no, I haven't. Yeah, no. I know. I, yeah. I kept bringing it up and actually it was my dad. He he said, have you ever reached out to Mrs. Hogland, my grade two teacher, and yeah. and let her know how much you appreciated yeah. her? I'm like, hmm, I don't think so. Like, I don't yeah. think in my adult years I've reached out. Yeah. So that it's must on be one list. of the most rewarding things as being a teacher is that you have that opportunity to really, like, in some cases, change the trajectory of a of a life. So that yeah, you should. I should. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you should. I'm going to leave you with that, and I'm going to do the same. <laughs> Find Mr. Chan and Mr. Duffy. Yeah. 
you were awesome and you made it made a difference in my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when you look back at your own journey, what is something that you're most proud of? I think I did I did it my way. <laughs> I really did do it my way. Um, like I just am not somebody who's interested in following like a prescribed path. In fact, I probably um, push against that. Um, I think I'm the most proud of like my family and my children and the relationship I have with my husband and, and like friends as well. I think I have done a pretty good job of um, trying to be there for all of those people. And yeah. And I think I get as much as I give, but I think that that's, I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. And I have some rapid fire questions for you. Oh, okay. Okay. So what is something that you would love to learn about or something that you would love to learn to do? Um, I used to play the piano and I would like to learn that again <laughs> or like music. I think you should go for it. Mm-hmm. What is a place that's at the top of your travel bucket list? This year, I'd like to go to France. Very cool. What is a book, podcast, movie, or TV show that you've enjoyed recently? Um, I just finished um, – uh, it's so embarrassing. It's the Spare. <laughs> oh, yes. It's yes, really yes. juicy. I really enjoyed that. Um, yeah. I did see it at the bookstore the other day. So, yeah. I Not might have deeply to intellectual, them. but it's yeah. juicy. Yeah. You yeah. know what? Yeah. At bedtime, sometimes it's, it's, it's sometimes hard it's to read like the you're reading. Yeah. I was going to say, I struggle with like, yeah, yeah. The, I like deeply, the deeply intellectual at bedtime, mm-hmm. I maybe make it a paragraph or a page. <laughs> so, <laughs> And if you could sit down and have a conversation with someone that you'd really like to learn from, who would it be and why? Oh, my goodness. Um. I am very interested in um, a business that I think has done a great job, and I really like their leadership. Is Airbnb? So, and they're a found. They're a three-person founding team. So, yeah, maybe the Airbnb founders. That would be very cool. And lastly, uh, I always talk about how education really just plays such a role in everything that we do. So, how we live, how we work, mm-hmm. how we play, how we explore. Do you have any final thoughts or words of wisdom that could empower or support people with their own teaching and learning journeys? Mm. Uh, I think with teaching, it's that I, I do think that that like listening, being willing to adapt, that not everybody receives information the same way, way you do. And so that, you know, you sometimes to, to make an impact would have to maybe have to customize or like adapt how you deliver or how adapt how you keep it, keep it, keep it fresh. Um, and I've certainly found that in my business, I've had to do the same. And then, um, from a, from a learning perspective, I think, you know, just all like being a lifelong learner, always being open to, um, you know, I think the other thing with learning too is that like what I was saying about I did it my way, like there isn't one way. I think there's a t- tremendous amount of um, emphasis put on like you must go to university and you must do this. And I like, I mean, this might be unpopular for this podcast, but I think it's all like a bit of a Ponzi scheme <laughs> depending on what you're doing. Um, and I do not think, I think some of the most intelligent people I know, it's very little to do with what they they actually learned in school, like that they had to show up as an individual who wanted to um, 
get information and, and seek to learn. And you can do that in lots of ways. Um, but you need that hunger and yeah. <laughs> that desire to learn that lifelong mm-hmm. learning mentality. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. that. Katie, I want to thank you so much for joining mm-hmm. me and spending time with me today. If our listeners want to find more about, find out more about what you do yeah. um, and what you're up to, where are the best places to find you? Yeah, probably um, social media. So um, Instagram, I think I'm at Katie Dunsworth React. React is R E I A C H. Um, or LinkedIn or our website. It's probably LinkedIn. Probably social media. (laughs) Okay, sounds good. I'll make sure to share all that in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me today, Katie. It was so nice to connect with you and to to learn from you too. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, good for you for doing it. It's awesome. Thank you for listening to the People Teaching People podcast. I'm your host, Tiana Fesh. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Tiana Fesh and on my website, tianafesh.com. I would love it if you would subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast. Your feedback and support are so appreciated. See you next time where we will continue to explore all things teaching and learning together.